Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Back with y'all. The circumstances aren't the greatest, but that's the way the Lord works. And uh, it's been, we was just with Pastor Kagan yesterday and they, uh, uh, that, what do they call marriage retreat or I just called another honeymoon, amen. Ours only been 50 three years, so I think we'll kind of keep each other, and, and you know, thinking about what, what am I going to bring, and such short notice and everything, so I tied a couple different things together, uh, we're starting a revival in our church over there this morning uh, with Pastor Dignan, and, and, uh, and we just come off the marriage retreat, so I thought I'd just go ahead and preach a message on the greatest kiss of all time. Sound good? You say, where's he going with this? He has no idea. We're just going to get into it and have a good time. I, I like just the individual passages of the Word of God. Am I supposed to turn this on? There we go. Uh, individual passages that you're reading in your devotions and just all of a sudden it just kind of grabs a hold of you and it just won't let you go until you study it out uh, I love those passages some people call it chasing rabbits I, I, I call it just getting close to the Lord and just having a good time and in Psalm chapter 85 if you'll turn there uh, as I was reading my devotions one, one morning just and you, you've read these passages how many hundreds of times you know, but all of a sudden it just, the light bulb comes on and you just sit there and just have a spell with the Lord, just, just really beginning to understand a little bit more of what he's trying to teach you in these passages. Uh, let's just go ahead and read this chapter. It's not very long, only 13 verses, but, and then we'll get into the message. He said, Lord... Thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause thine anger towards us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints 
But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Father, bless your word. Help us this morning. Lord, as we look at these truths, and Lord, that it might draw us closer to you and help us to understand you in a much greater way. Lord, again, be with Brother Kagan, his family, his mom, the doctors, in all that situation that you might have your will. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse number 10, he says, Mercy and truth are met together. He says, Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The greatest kiss in all the world. Now, I like kissing my wife. I kissed her right before I walked out the door today. I miss her every time. I don't care if I go to Walmart, I miss her. Of course, you can miss anything in Walmart. But I, the sign of affection, the intimacy of a relationship is shown in a kiss. This is a kiss that man cannot develop. This is something that, that man can have absolutely no part in. It must be all of God. In verses 1 through 3, as we read, God had brought Israel back from captivity. He'd forgiven their, their iniquity, forgiven their sins. He'd taken away his wrath. In verses 1 through 3. In verse 4 to 6, Israel, the people of Israel, not just a nation, but the people of Israel, they needed to be turned around and revived. In verses 7 to 8, they recognized that they were guilty and they needed mercy. They, they must not return to their folly. For years, now stop and think, for years they've been in captivity. They were taken out of their land because of sin. They'd rebelled against a holy God and for years they had been in their land and not worshiping God according to his dictates. And God for those years was working and punishing and pouring his wrath and, 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 and they were like slaves in, in, in a foreign country. And now they come to this point and they realize I am guilty. And now they want to turn to God. But stop and think, if you haven't been worshiping God and you don't know anything about the word of God for all these years, what do you do? 
you really don't know which direction to go. I mean, people today, they talk about revival, and they're talking about revival in the midst of wickedness. Sodomy. Saying, yes, I'm experiencing revival. You can't continue in that and experience revival. Going against the word of God and saying, yes, we, we love God. No, no. It doesn't work that way. Notice verse 9. The fear of the Lord is the key for Israel. The fear of the Lord is the key to every revival. You see people down here in Kentucky and all these places and they're saying they've got revival and honest to God, when I started watching some of the videos of what was going on, I closed my eyes and as I lived in Uganda, East Africa 21 years, I closed my eyes, I heard the beat of the drums in the villages, I saw the dancing, I heard the screaming and the yelling and the, and the running around and the immodesty and all of the stuff. I thought I was in a witchcraft meeting. You listen to a prayer letter from a pastor or a missionary from, from one of these countries and you tell them we have sodomites dancing on the stage and leading in the singing and, and, and violating word of God over and over and push the preaching out the door and, and all it is is a, just a song fest and, and all of the things that are going on and that we're having women preaching and we're having doing all... You would drop his support in a heartbeat. But here in America we call that Revival. We haven't read what the book says about revival. The fear of God is the key to revival. Now watch what happens here. What had God done with his people of Israel? Wasn't, wasn't Israel guilty? Did they not deserve the punishment they were, they were receiving? They were, and they finally begin to understand who God is, what he requires of them. They'd followed idolatry and wickedness for years. But now God finally starts to get a, get a hold of their heart. So what, what does God do? What happens? What does he tell them? And that brings us to verse number 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Mercy and truth. Two opposite ends of the coin. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. 
mercy and peace are on one side and truth and righteousness are, are completely on the other side. Truth requires righteousness, but mercy calls for peace. It seems as if mercy and truth are going in a, in a different direction here. But somehow God says here they meet. They seem to be in conflict, but here they're brought into harmony. Truth demands justice. And the law and punishment must be dealt out. And this is where so many do not understand. With man, mercy and truth will never meet. Never meet. This is what's the problem in, in Washington and in our society and in politicians. You have, you have some trying to deal out mercy and just give, 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 give. But there is also truth. And man of ourselves, man can never bring these two together. It will not, it will not work. Righteousness, just pure right and peace. Well, you're going to have to give up this in order to get peace. You can't have this judgment if you're going to have peace. They'll never kiss. They'll always be estranged. They'll always be going the, a different direction. I like the triangle that, that, that the pastor mentioned in our, our, our marriage conference. God is up here and man, the husband and wife are down here. And the closer they get to God, the closer they are to each other. But right now, the husband's here, the wife is here, and they are going two different directions. And that's the way it is with this verse. They will never meet. You cannot, man cannot bring it together. So yet we see the, the, this is all fulfilled in the cross of Jesus Christ. Only at God's mercy seat can mercy and truth meet together. Now let's just look at mercy real quick. Look at mercy. Mercy is where punishment is deserved, but it's not given. You deserve the punishment, but we're not going to give it to you. We're going to negate it. I'm guilty, but God does not punish me. We talk about the publican. He said, he said God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Only God can accomplish that. The guilty is treated as if they'd not sinned. You take the woman taken in adultery. Gee, they wanted to stone her. Why? Because that was what the law said. That's what truth says. That's what righteousness says. But Jesus said, I don't condemn you. 
go and sin no more. Mercy, yes, you're guilty, but I'm not going to weld out the punishment. If mercy is shown, it seems like there's a departure from the law, from justice, from truth. So mercy is, is a virtue that leads us as individuals to compassion. It, it leads us to help somebody. We want to have mercy on that person. It doesn't make any difference what their standing is. They haven't done anything for us. We're just going to be merciful. We're just going to help them. We're going to go feed people in the, uh, you know, kids in, in, in this uh, complex. They've done nothing for you, but you're going to show mercy. It causes that compassion. Mercy is that, that tender, tenderness of heart that wants us to, to treat an offender better than they deserve. Yet you come to truth. Truth is exactness. Exactness of fact. An exact accordance to the law or that which is or which was or which will be. It is point blank. You know people like that. <laughs> I mean, they are the law, buddy. But then you have other people that are so, so kind-hearted, they would give shirt off their back and, and keep going. How did they get together? That exactness. You, you see that characteristic in, in, in the Trinity. In first with God in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth without iniquity, just and right is he. You see that perfection that God demands. In Psalm 31, 5, he says, Unto thine hand... Uh, I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Because of truth, sin has to be punished. But yet God says, we need mercy too. We see this in Jesus. He says, I am the way, the what? the truth, and the life. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What does this book tell us? You and I are sinners. Man doesn't like that. They want the mercy part, <laughs> but they don't want the truth. All these folks in in, in politics and Washington, if they just listen to a church once in a while, uh, we got the answer. And they're telling, you come on the news and you're hearing it all over. We really got to look at this. We've got a serious problem now. We've been telling you that. But they don't want the answer. They want the band-aid so they can keep going what they're doing. I, it always 
you know, even on Fox News, these people, they, they get on there and they say, oh, man, we, we just love God and, and we're religious and we're, we, we pray and we write books and everything. Let's go to the cocktail party. I mean, it's like saying it, 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 it's white black. It's light dark. It's hot cold. It, it can't be both at the same time. But that's the concept that we have of God. No, God says truth. That's what we're at. We see this in the Holy Spirit. In John 15, 26, but when the comforters come, he will send unto you, uh, I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of what? Truth. What's the Holy Spirit for? He convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit of truth. So how in the world can anything, anybody get saved? Well, stop, stop and think. Through truth, the law is magnified. There's only, there's only justice. No compromise. Punishment must be handled, handed down. By Adam breaking God's truth, God's law, all men, every man was condemned forever. Yet God had mercy. And he developed the plan to redeem man through Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, chapter 8 and verse 4, it says in, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And instead of judging us, he's going to give us salvation. He's going to redeem us. 1 John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sin of the whole world. Kind of throws Calvinism right out the, word, the door, doesn't it? How's all this come about? God was going to meet the demand of truth by the sacrifice of his son. So here in God, the attributed truth which seemed to be against us and against mercy seemed to be met together here when we were reconciled. It only comes through that cross. It comes through Jesus Christ. That's where mercy and truth are met together. Now look with me. Psalm 25 and verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. All those qualities are, are, are knit together, linked inseparably. As God does this with mankind. Now remember, mercy, with man, mercy and truth will never meet. They'll never kiss. Yet here, mercy and truth are met together. They come face to face. They meet in Jesus Christ through Calvary and the tomb. 
That's why you can't get saved by just going to church. You can't get saved by having Christian parents. You can't get saved. Mercy and truth will not meet together if you just try to keep the Ten Commandments. Religion will get no one to heaven because that is man trying to make mercy and truth and it, it, it won't meet. It has to be done by God. That's why 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the Old Testament, they met at the mercy seat in the tabernacle when the atonement was made by the Redeemer to pardon the guilty and forgive their sins. That's why Exodus 25, 22 says, And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee in commandment, truth, unto the children of Israel. So he says, mercy and truth, they're opposite, but they must meet. And he says, righteousness, the essential justice of God, the absolute right. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare what? His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. His righteousness has to come and present that kiss because we have no righteousness. He said, not by right works of righteousness, which we have done, Titus 3, 5. But he says, and peace, the punishment of our sins satisfied God's righteousness and made peace for us. Wrath is appeased. Justice is satisfied and peace is made, thank God. Isaiah 53 and verse 5, a beautiful verse. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our what? Peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. In chapter 32 and verse 17, it says, The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effects of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. The absolute, unfathomable love of God, when you see His embrace, when these kiss each other, righteousness and peace, the show of God's affection, His love towards us. 
and the work of redemption and reconciliation in Christ, two parties that were separated, were alienated, but yet now they've been united as friends and have embraced each other. The Bible says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. The key is the fear of God. People say, well, you know, God, if you're up there, save me. There's no fear of God in that. You don't really believe you're going to be cast into hell. You're not, you don't believe you're going to be punished. It's kind of a what if. Well, I'll flip a coin. I get about as much results. No, no. The fear of God, that's the key to salvation. I was raised in the church 26 years. Had no concept of who God was. I, I had the perfect attendance pins all 13 years running. I mean, I, I knew when to ring the bells. I knew when to light the candles. I knew when to do all of this stuff. And I wouldn't have known God if he'd have walked in and introduced himself. But September 21st, 1975, a little missionary over in Rota, Spain, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, for the first time in my life, realized that I was in serious trouble. I was lost. I was separated from a holy God, and if I died in that condition, I would bust hell wide open. And God would have been just and right to do that. And I fell at the mercy of God and said, Oh God, I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do. Basically, have mercy on me. And that day, September 21st, 1975, Jesus Christ saved my wretched soul. What was it? Fear God. I, I didn't want to go to hell. Well, why did I think I was going to go to hell? Because God said he was going to send me to hell if I, if I didn't get saved, if I didn't receive Jesus Christ. Say, so, well, you shouldn't be afraid of God. Yes, you should. Now, I love my daddy, but he whooped the fire out of me. And my God says, you don't do things my way, he said, it's going to be worse than just whipping the fire out of you. He said, I'll send you to the lake of fire. And when we realize how wicked we are and how separated we are from God and how much he loves us and wants to save us, we begin to see the truth and mercy start coming together. We see the righteousness, that iron fist, and the peace that passeth all understanding coming together. And as we come to that cross of Jesus Christ and realize what he's done for us, mercy and truth and righteousness and peace has kissed each other.
God shows his love and affection to me and to you. And only God can do that. And he saves our wretched souls. That's why it's not how good you are, it's how bad you are. Psalms 103 and verse 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto his children's children. The same God that saved Adam is the same God that saved me and will save my great-grandchildren. He hadn't changed a bit. Mercy and truth righteousness and peace have got to kiss each other and only God can do that. We cannot have mercy until we recognize we're guilty. Until Israel come to that point after being in captivity all those years they finally come to that point that they realize we're guilty. God says, now we can talk about salvation. When we realize our guilt and realize that fear of God, now we can stand before him, still deserving punishment, but we can cry out to God like that humble man that would not even look up into heaven but beat upon his breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he said, that man went down justified from his house. With man, mercy and truth will never meet. Because you have to pay for your sin. With righteousness and peace, they'll never kiss. Because we have to live in an unrighteous world and never will we have peace on this earth until God comes. Do you see what God has done for you? He's extended his mercy to you. There, there is no excuse for one person in this auditorium or those listening by live stream or whatever you do or put it on video. Or, there's no excuse for anyone that hears this not to be saved. Because God has extended his mercy to you. When you realize you're guilty and you're, 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 you deserve that eternal punishment in the lake of fire. When did you cry out to God for his mercy? When did you have the fear of God and say, Oh God, it's not if you're up there. God, I can see with, by creation. I can see how you deal with, with just life. I understand who you are. And I understand who I am. 
when did you fall down at his feet and say, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner? When did you cry out to him for his salvation? I don't know your heart. I don't pretend to know. But that's a decision that only you can make. How much do you fear God? We, we, we say we fear God, but yet our lives prove otherwise. We'd have people come over. There's in Africa, and, and, and the, we'd be down here at the restaurant or something, and some drunk would walk in, and he'd stagger up to the table and see us, and he'd say, Preacher, I love God. Drunkenness goes. Do they? You say, well, obviously no. The world only sees us that calls ourselves Christians. They see the level of dedication that we have to our God, our faithfulness. We, we, our pastor played a little video of an atheist. I, he's a magician. I've watched him. I've, I mean, one of the greatest magicians in, in the world. Just, you know, sleight of hand. It's not, no magic to it. But he's an atheist. And this is what he said. He said a guy come up to him and, and, and started witnessing to him. He said, I, I'm an atheist. The guy continued and went ahead and said, yeah, I know, but I just want you to know this. And he went ahead and gave him the gospel. He said, I have more respect for that man. He said, I do not respect anyone that calls themselves a Christian that will not witness to me. That's lost people testifying. Would he respect you? You would be surprised how many people actually respect people that will take the time and effort, swallow their pride, and tell people the message of the mercy of God. And how Jesus Christ loves them and wants to save them. We can never be saved by religion. Mercy and peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. You've heard it from this pulpit over and over and over. But just two things to take away this morning. When did mercy and truth, righteousness and peace, Kiss each other in your life. And once you got saved, was that it? Hey, listen, I've been married 53 years. I kissed my wife when I got up. That wasn't enough. I kissed her in the kitchen. She was making my breakfast. I was getting ready to go, and I caught her in the hall, and I kissed her again, and I kissed her right before I walked out the door. 
one time was not enough. Talking to my mom, I thought I thought I'd I, I never would have heard this. I, I've heard an illustration, but I never thought I'd ever actually hear it. Mom says, Dad said, when we got married, we heard this the other day. My dad said, Jerry, she asked, well, don't you love me? She said, he said, I told you when I got married, I loved you, and if I ever changed my mind, I'd let you know. No wonder I never heard my father ever tell me he loved me. No wonder I grew up and never saw any affection in our home. When I got married, once was not enough. She wants my affection. I want her affection. It's reciprocal. When righteousness and peace kissed each other at my salvation, that's not enough. I want to experience that love over and over and over and over and over. And he wants your affection too. May we go out of here. I'm, I, I was listening to some, so many opportunities to serve God and to tell people about his son, Jesus Christ, and to bring people in Sunday school. What an opportunity to, to be used of God to bring people to himself. You don't have to save the world. Just be obedient to him and tell people about Jesus. That's what he wants. Father, I don't know each heart. But Lord, we do need revival here in America. We need revival in our churches. We need to get out and tell people seriously and from a loving heart, really conveying the message of Jesus Christ to the world that they might have that understanding of salvation, that they might experience the mercy, the mercy and the grace of Almighty God, that they might be saved. Father, have your way in each heart today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity of preaching your word. Lord, bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.